0: always do it for the sen. If ever that does out for now, always do it for the sen. You don't get it. Uh, Has anybody got an interpretation of that particular Yorkshire tongue? Basically it's all about me. So you don't give anything away, you take everything, and if you do anything it's all about doing it for yourself rather than other people. Now at the heart of that it's been a challenge for me. Are Yorkshire people generous? Are they generous? I, I'm going to say you should never make jokes about nationalities and things, but the, the Yorkshire, Yorkshire and Scottish people have quite a lot in common, I think, about some of these things, but I'm not going to say more than that. But actually for me, being mean, being selfish, And being proud, which is part of what that motto celebrates, is not the gospel. It absolutely is not the gospel. Celebrating meanness, celebrating selfishness, celebrating pride, celebrating insularity is not the gospel. I've actually had to do a lot of repenting in my life and still have to. See, at the heart of Christianity is a generous God, a trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a God generous in creation, which is what we celebrate at Harvest, generous in the gift of his own Son, Jesus, the God who, though rich beyond measure, became poor for our sake, so that we who were poor could become rich. A God who pours out his own Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, God's giving gift. He pours it out abundantly for us to see the renewal of all things. Are we generous? Do we think God is generous? Now, I wonder what you have in mind when you think of the topic of generosity. Most of us will think possibly of money. Pete, if you could move us on one. I wonder whether you think, some of you may know who this is, is Bill Gates, uh, one of the richest men in the world, set up his own foundation, and up to the mid-2013 or 14, he'd given over 28 billion pounds, it's probably given far more than that now, but from the last statistics, he gave, he's given over 28 billion in a way as part of good causes, but out of a, out of a, out of a wealth, possibly, of about 90 billion. Is that generous? Is that not generous? This week, as part of our readings, Jesus talked about a woman who had two coins. She gave everything. Generous? Not generous. But what about not in money? What about in our lives? I'm going to talk about two Christians. But if you think about Christians who've been generous with their lives in serving others, who've laid their lives down sacrificially and generously in giving everything they have in the service of others two people who come to mind. Often when you talk to Christian, <coughs> Christian excuse me, Mother Teresa, laying her life down for the destitute in Calcutta, and Jackie Pullinger, for example, who left these shores as a young lady to go and work with the drug addicts in Hong Kong. Generous. With their lives generous not generous is that what we think of generosity if you move on pete in the last uh, church i was every year we used to run the marriage course and um as part of the marriage course as part of any marriage i wonder whether we consider that are we generous with our words in our relationships would, would we say that the words that come out of our mouths are generous to other people? It's one of the great challenges in our relationships, not just marriage relationships, but any relationship. A generous person will have generous words coming out of their mouths. It flows out, and you can see it in our relationships. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. So that is a background. Why is it we could think that Christians ought to be so generous? How does Paul put it? What's at the heart of generous? This is a translation from Titus, the book of Titus. He puts it like this when we're looking at Jesus and why we focus so much on Jesus. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us. We came out of it new people, washed inside and out by the Holy Spirit. Our Saviour, Jesus, poured out new life so generously. God's gift has restored our relationship with him and given us back our lives. And there's more life to come, an eternity of life. Christians are generous. Why? Because as Christians, God's children are the recipients of God's abundant, generous grace. Almighty God, by His grace, has come on our behalf through Jesus to change our lives, to free us from the tyranny of sin and also from ourselves, to take within Himself the punishment for all the wrongdoing of this world and of us, ourselves. Almighty God, by His grace, has declared each one of us innocent in His sight, and granted us access. Into the glorious presence of God. We who proclaim Christ, who give our lives to Christ, who trust in Christ, have wrapped our life in faith. We are recipients of the extraordinary, the extravagant, the abundant, and generous grace of God. But one of the challenges to that is this. You look through Scripture and you see through the Bible at different points. We'll see that Christians are not designed to be cups or containers of grace. Rather, we're designed to be conduits of grace. The grace of God does not stop with us. Rather, we're designed so that the grace of God flows through us. We're pipelines of grace. The grace of God flows through us. We get to experience the generosity of God in all his forgiveness, all his goodness and graciousness, and we get to give that away to others. We receive it to give it. We receive it to give it. We get the amazing privilege of sharing the goodness that that we have received from God himself, and that's the heart of all blessings, and all gift—it's what harvest about. It's just giving back to God, what we've received from Him. So our orientation, the way we see our lives as Christians, will be different from the rest of the world. Our attitudes to our stuff, our time, and towards our money will be fundamentally different. Why? Let me say, read a couple of verses from Matthew six. Jesus said to them, as part of the Sermon on the Mount, "Do not worry." saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Jesus is saying, you're my children, you've received my grace, you are no longer pagans, therefore your goals in life shouldn't be the same, they change. You no longer aim for what everybody else aims for, for more stuff, more things, more experiences for themselves. We don't need to hold on to our stuff with, like, a death grip, that we definitely try and possess more stuff. Why? Because we've received grace. We've received grace. And we're called to represent that grace in God's plan to the world. Why is Jesus saying, Don't worry? He's saying, Well, I'm generous. Now you be generous. If you're not sure about other verses let me just quote a few other bits of scripture from different places uh, to give you an idea that get us to think a little bit about why generosity is so key so a few will come up in the background uh, proverbs 11 24 and 25 one person gives freely yet gains even more another withholds unduly but comes to poverty a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed the generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus Himself said, It's more blessed to give than to receive. We're called to generosity. Let me tell you uh, a true story that I read as part of preparing this in the states um, a pastor was standing in the line of a supermarket and he noticed that a family in front of them uh, weren't able to pay the bill of what they were they were going to buy from the supermarket they didn't have enough money for the food they were buying the pastor tapped the person in front of them on the shoulder and told him not to turn around to make a scene but quietly slipped into his hand some money to enable him to pay for the groceries that he was looking to buy. The man took took the money he was offered and never turned around to even see who the person was who gave him that money. Nine years after that event, that simple act of generosity, the pastor was invited to be a guest speaker at a service in another church, and he spoke, and after the service, he was standing by the doors we sometimes do, greeting people as they left the service. After basically everybody had cleared out of the church and left, a gentleman walked up to him. And he told the pastor an amazing story. He said this, he said about how he'd come to faith, how he'd come to know Jesus. He said that nine years ago, he and his wife were destitute. They'd lost everything. They had no jobs, they had no money, and they're actually living in their car. They weren't christians and at the time they decided to make it things had got so desperate that they got to the point where they were decided to make a suicide pact that included a child which is hard to even comprehend that someone had reached that point they went to um a particular place and they were talking about what they might do but instead before they thought about what they're going to do and find it they said well we'll do one thing we'll go buy t- we'll go to the supermarket and we'll buy some food as having one last meal before they did something tragic. And they were standing in a line of a queue in a supermarket, and they realized that they didn't even have enough money to pay for the last meal that they were trying to buy for themselves. Things got so desperate. But then he said a man behind him spoke and asked him, please take this money from his hand and not to look back. The man also said this to the person as well as slipping the money into his hand. He said, please remember this, Jesus loves you. The man said they left that grocery store, they drove back to the place where they were gonna do something tragic and they wept literally for hours. They, couldn't, they knew they couldn't go back, go through with what they'd planned to do, so they drove away. And as they were driving away, they passed a church that had a sign that read, Jesus loves you. They went to that church the next Sunday, and God miraculously pulled their lives out from the pit, and they were saved. The man told the pastor that the moment the pastor stood in the pulpit, they knew he was the same person stood in that line because of its accent. I said, Pastor, did you do that for us? Did you do that for us? It was it you who did that for us on that day when we were at our lowest ebb. And he said, yes, I did. They said, well, we've been Christians ever since for nine years. And because of a very, very simple act of generosity, their lives were changed forever. Why is it so hard for us to be generous? Most of us recognize it's a good thing. Most of us say, I'd love to live in an open-handed way, not consumed by the world's worries. But from that reading in Matthew 6, and again and again in Scripture, Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Yet we find it incredibly difficult not to live a life of fear, anxiety, and worry. We don't give generously because we fear we'll never have enough for ourselves. We'll be able to provide for the lifestyle of the children we would like them to have. Or for looking after elderly parents who we think, well, the state won't care for them. How on earth am I going to have, be able to care properly, or for the retirement that we long for, the lifestyle we long for, whatever else it is. We worry, we worry, we worry. And this morning I'm not please don't mishear me. I'm not pretending that the anxieties and the problems each of us face, and I may stand here this morning and not have a clue what some of you are going through. It may be just the tip of the iceberg of some of the things that are going on in your life. But by worrying and being consumed with fear, according to Jesus, also involves a choice. You can choose to believe and place your trust in God as sovereign and Lord of all. Or you can choose to not to, that he will provide for you. You can choose to say, the world isn't going to look after me. It's all about me. I need to provide for myself. I'm alone in this universe. and Unless I do it, nobody else will. I can make my own way. Or you can reaffirm and put your trust in God, as sovereign and Lord of all. So how do we become generous? If we recognize it's good for us, we recognize there's also a challenge because of the many challenges we each face in it if we briefly come to the reading we've said david is aging at the end of his life he's had ups and downs that we've only just been to touch on as part of the time we've been through the series he's failed at times but god has been with him he's concerned about seeing the temple rebuilt that god's temple rebuilt david had given generously as it said in the preceding bit of the passage. And Solomon had called others to give generously to enable the physical temple to be rebuilt uh, as part of that. And you see that in the preceding verses to the one Jenny read for us. But then David leads them in this fabulous prayer in verse 10 onwards. Four times in this text, four times in this text, the greatest king in the history of Israel, King David says, everything. Belongs to you, God. Everything belongs to you, God. The Bible teaches again and again that God is the owner of everything. Everything. God owns everything. He created it, He owns it, it's, it's His. God owns our jobs, God owns our homes, God owns our car, God owns our bodies, God even owns our iPhones. Or maybe He doesn't, to some of you. God owns everything. God owns our spouse. God owns our history, our time, your money, your children, your grandchildren, your elderly parents or grandparents. God owns everything. Everything we have from God is good, but God is the owner. So, if that is the case, what's our problem? Well, the problem we human beings have is we don't understand that we have our bodies or what we have with our lives is unleashed to us from the owner. Of everything. Friends, your health is on lease to you from God. So is your career. So your kids. So your parents. Your spouse is leased to you by God. So your possession. God doesn't tell us the terms of the lease up front, He doesn't say this is how your life's gonna go, and this is the contract, and it's a straight line, and it's all fine. But at some point the lease ends, because God is the owner. And the one way that we can communicate to ourselves and to God, that we understand that God is the owner of everything, is to give back to God. It's to say, everything is yours, everything I have is yours. I'm just giving back to me, to you God, what you've given to me. The Bible talks about the first fruits, giving back the first and the best, not just what's leftovers. Of our time, our possessions, of our gifts and our money, that's behind the practice of tithing, of giving a tenth. And I know that's challenging in a place like Bath, I understand that. But actually, in understanding that God owns everything, it's he's at the heart of it. It's We need to shape how we think and we see what we do. I read a, a story by someone that just made me laugh. As part of someone who worked um, in the, uh, the NHS and with many people who were amazing at what they did, but also get very anxious about what they have. I read a story about um, a chaplain, a former chaplain who worked in government, the government, and a man came up to the, the chaplain and said this, you know, it used to be easy for me to tithe when my salary was lower. You know, when you're a student and you don't have very much, if you give 10 pounds, it doesn't feel as costly is having to give a lot more than that. When you suddenly go up the tree and you get more and you get more, suddenly giving a tenth, a tenth becomes far more challenging. And he said, I find it really difficult. But the chaplain said, said, this this, uh, person in government said, my salary is now half a million pounds. So a tithe is 50,000 pounds, he said. I can't afford that. chaplain looked at him, looked him eye to eye, and said, well, can I pray to you um, in your predicament? Looking empathetically at him, he said this, and then he prayed for him, and he said, let me pray. And then the man said, sure, I'll receive your prayer. He said this, so the chaplain bowed his head and said, Lord, we ask you would lower this man's salary to the point where he can afford to give to you generously again. So how do we become generous? It's not just about money, but it's with our time, with our talents, with our gifts, with our home. How do we get there? It's by reminding ourselves and affirming to ourselves that God is the owner of everything. Everything we do is a response to that. It's a response to God's ownership and his goodness and his generosity to us. The degree to which we understand, have grasped, not just here, but here and through us, the generosity of God will be the degree to which you're able to respond to him in some way. The American pastor, uh, Tim Keller, writes this. He says, It is possible to give your money away generously without giving yourself, but it's impossible to give away yourself Without giving your money generously. God has so much things, so much better for us than you and me than survival and getting by. He wants us to all experience the generosity of his grace, to enable us to live open-handed in this world. And seeing that his generous kingdom is at work, be able to give to those in need. We get the blessing of being able to help along with many others, those who are in need. God created us to be generous people after his own heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning for those of us who are here who are struggling to believe that you are a generous God. Maybe bad things have happened in our lives. We've seen disappointments again and again, not seen the breakthrough in all that we'd hope. And we live in that place where we feel, I can't believe that you're good, you're generous. My circumstances are so broken. Father, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal yourself afresh to us this morning? Give us a fresh revelation of your goodness, your generosity, your kindness, your faithfulness, the immensity, the height, the breadth, the depth, and the width of a love that goes beyond all we can understand. Would you come, Holy Spirit, to meet with us, touch our hearts afresh? And Father, for those of us who know, have grasped some of that but don't quite know how to respond, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we'd hear from you again, hear what we can bring, hear what we can contribute, and that, Father, we wouldn't do it out of a sense of duty or a sense of obligation, but we realize it's a joy to give back to you what we can. Of those who have a sense of what they need to do but can't see away from where they are now, to where they want to be, they long to be generous but can't see beyond the challenges. Would you make a way through the desert, I pray? Would you make a way for us as a church that we would people would say of us that we are generous hearted in all that we do? Amen. Just gonna ask us to, before we sing in response, um just gonna ask you to take a moment of quiet. And then we'll pray, it's a really well-known prayer of Ignatius um, um, that will ask us to join in together at the end. So just take literally...